Sisters Talk Brothers is a spoiler-filled podcast about the TV show Supernatural. Music credit goes to Hans Adam and their song in the Creative Commons called Paint the Sky. Driver picks the music, Shotgun shuts his cake hole. On with the show. Hello, Hannah. Hello, Kindle. And hello, world. Hi, world. Welcome to Sisters Talk Brothers, where we're not experts, but we are sisters. You're definitely sisters. She showed me the papers. Can't prove it otherwise. And we try to break down the 300 plus episodes of Supernatural, but not all at once. One at a time. (laughs) One at a time. And today, we will be discussing the episode that is generally considered to be the worst. God himself said so. But you have to live through bad writing. (laughs) But before we get to that, Hannah. Yes. In the world of bugs, Mm. which ones are the worst and which ones are the best? Ladybugs are the worst. Why are ladybugs the worst? Because I think many people... They stink. Aren't those stink bugs? No. Well, I mean, I'm sure stink bugs stink, but ladybugs are disgusting. Don't ladybugs eat aphids, which kill our plants? I don't know. I just have horrific memories of being in a grandfather's house, and his bathtub was full of old newspapers, which were swarming with ladybugs, and it was the grossest thing I've ever seen. Mm. See, for me, my worst ladybugs memory is when we lived in Maine. And you might not even remember this, but the door leading down to the cellar, at certain times of the year, I want to say spring, you could open the door and the entire door would be covered in ladybugs. That's horrifying. I didn't even know you could have a ladybug infestation, but it's possible and it's terrible and I hate it. But on the bright side, it was ladybugs. And not spiders, because spiders are truly the worst. Well, I once saw a giant spider when we were (laughs) living in Maine, but I don't know if I was just so young that it looked bigger, but, like, golf ball-sized body, long legs, Mm. and, like, it tickled my leg, and I, like, (laughs) looked under my basket, and there was a huge spider, so I dropped it and ran inside. Ugh, so I have a similar experience that sparked my whole arachnophobia. It was when we still lived down in Alabama, and we were having family get-together, I think? And it was back when we lived underneath all those huge magnolia trees, right? The trailer with the big porch? It wasn't a trailer. It was a house. Okay. <laughs> but, yes. Big porch? It, yes, we did. Was it a long house? It was a long house, but it was not okay. a trailer. Well, you could see how I would get confused. Okay, yeah. It had a long, it was a, it was a long, it was a small house, but the family came together and built a big porch for us. I still remember our parents, like, sanding and staining it. Like, hmm. hand-built porch. Anyways, lots of magnolia trees. There were lots of ra- roaches and lots of soldier ants, and it was basically a nightmare for me as a child. The 
pivotal moment in my relationship with spiders. Because I was chill with spiders up till this point. I remember, like, seeing spiders on our windowsill and being like, oh, hey, little spider, what up? But we were having a big, like, bonfire, family gathering, what have you. And it's the height of summer. I'm wearing short shorts because it's down south, deep Alabama, in the bayou. And I feel something, like, tickle my leg and at first I think it's sweat and I look down and it's this spider whose legs stretch across my thigh Mm. and it's neon green with like colorful target on its body just chimming its way up my leg and that wasn't the worst part Hannah oh no (laughs) the worst part was I did my shriek I knocked it off and I back up and I look around And I cannot see where the spider went. The spider had just disappeared into the ether. And for all I know, could be on my back, could be in my hair, could be on my body somewhere still, could be just hanging in the air, lurking, ready to pounce on me once again. And it was that unknowing. (laughs) That That unknowing aspect of spiders. The aspect of spiders that they... that. I am sitting here safely in my room, and there is a spider guaranteed within five feet of me, and I don't know where that fucker is. Uh, guaranteed. <laughs> that ugh, yeah. terrifies yeah. me about spiders. I am sorry to all other spider-fearing folk out there who are listening and just like, <laughs> right now. <laughs> I, I feel you. Maybe don't listen to this episode, because huh, Bugs. There's, there's another Kindle freak out just waiting to come. I actually have another bug story, mm-hmm. but it's also kind of a question. Okay. Like, as to whether it actually happened <laughs> or if it was a dream. Okay. And since you feature in this story, you can tell me. If I remember. I mean. Okay, so when we lived in Alabama the second time at Carondelet Apartments. Okay. And there was that fence around the pool. Okay. And shrubbery. Growing around Shubbery. that fence. And there was these plants that that looked like those folded fans. And I wanted one because they looked really cool. Okay. And I went to pull it out of the ground. And when I did, a swarm of beetles came up from the roots and went up my arm and like all across my back. And I ran inside and you helped get the beetles off my back. I don't remember this. But that doesn't mean it didn't happen because... I, I could see this happening. Maybe not a swarm of beetles, but... There was a lot of them. Or ants. I, I could see you coming in and being like, Candle, oh God! And I'd be like, <laughs> alright, I've got this. Calm, calm your baby tits. Come on, it's alright. Like there's nothing you in there, you just start pinching my back. Like, I'm getting them all. <laughs> You're safe now. On the other hand, I feel like I would remember this because... No, I don't know. Because, alright, on the one hand... Bugs, awful, I hate them. They are apparently necessary to the ecosystem. Uh, I fail to see the evidence that say it's this, but okay, fine. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm joking. I, bugs, bugs are important. I just, uh, they have so many legs and I hate it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, so I, I hate, I hate bugs and I don't deal well with them until somebody else around me is a bigger baby about it than I am. <laughs> so, like, um... But that's your big sis coming out. Well, yeah, okay, so here in the house we are in, 
crickets are a big problem. And what's terrible is in low light, they do look like spiders. And every time I see one, there's like, ah, that comes out of me. However, my amazing darling wife will take care of every spider we ever come across. No matter how big or how small, she will handle the spider. It's every other bug on the planet she can't contend with. <laughs> so, so it is up to me if I don't want a cricket jumping out in the bathroom and letting on my wife's leg make pee or something and freaking her out and causing more of a mess than any of us want to deal with. <laughs> Uh, it's up to me to take care of all them dying crickets. Uh, okay, this is going longer than I want, but, uh, what's the best bug? What's the best bug, Hannah? Mm. In your opinion. I like snails, but they're not bugs. They are not bugs. They are... Arthropods. Arthropods? I thought they were cephalopods. Oh, yeah. Arthropods are the fossils. (laughs) Cephalopods. Look at us. I went further back. (laughs) You know what? I feel you, though, because my best bug is a roly-poly. Yeah, you're right. A roly-poly is actually a distant cousin of the shrimp. Mm-hmm. So they're they're land shrimps. <laughs> okay. So our favorite bugs aren't even bugs. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> I like butterflies. No, they're creepy. Up close, they are very creepy, but their wings are beautiful. Moths are, ugh, they're in, they have fuzzy antennas. I hate that shit. Fuzzy wings. Ugh, why? You know, I was just thinking hummingbirds are nice, but hummingbirds are definitely not. I look at a pretty bug, but I don't want to interact with it. Like, you do your thing, I'll do mine. You're very pretty. Have a nice day. Exactly. (laughs) Butterflies don't get up in your shit. No. You know which bugs do get up on your shit? Roaches. And spiders. Ugh. All right. Well, dear listener, I am <laughs> sure you have very much clued into which episode we're talking about today if somehow you downloaded this episode without looking at the title. We are today talking about Season 1, Episode 8, Bugs. Bugs. Everyone's least favorite episode. (laughs) I mean, hands down, hands down. It's the worst. Yeah. So before we officially start, I do want to give a little disclaimer at the start of this. Disclaimers. I did a little research, and from what I can find, there is no firm, decided upon, everyone agrees way to refer to the indigenous people of America that's considered proper or or just universally acceptable. It varies from person to person, within and between tribes, from what I have found. The only consensus I could find was, if you know the tribe they are from, refer to them as a member of that tribe. Which, yeah, duh, of course. Like, I really did love, though, this phrase that a gentleman named Douglas Miles of the San Carlos Apache... Apache? Apache? Apache! (laughs) Why did my mouth do that? (laughs) Douglas Miles of the San Carlos Apache, he coined this phrase, First Americans. And I like that because 
They aren't Indian. That's a name some invading idiot gave them because he literally thought he landed in India. So why should they accept that label? Fuck that. And yes, they are Native Americans, but you and I, us and our pale faces and our pale asses are also Native this country too at this point. So we're also Native Americans. (laughs) But they were here first. So I like first Americans. I... I don't have any right to put my horse in this race, but if I did, (laughs) I would say First American was awesome. Regardless, the indigenous people featured in this episode are, according to the story, the Yuchi, even though they are played by people of the First Nation from Canada. And if I'm I'm wrong, I tried to do my research there, too. The actor who plays... Uh, what's his name? Oh shit, it's White Tree. What's his first yeah, name? Yeah, Joe White Tree. And the actor's name is Jimmy Herman. Yes. From what I could see, he is First Nations from Canada. So I figure we can refer to the indigenous people in this episode as just the Yuchi. Okay. Just to avoid being rude to anybody. And if anybody wants to write in to correct us or to yell at us for wanting to be respectful to all the indigenous people that we have disrespected for centuries. Just be be nice. Please. Yeah, re-listening to episode two with the Wendigo. Yeah. I, I heard myself saying American Indian a lot. Well, you said American Indian and I said Native American. And I don't know which one is right and which one is wrong. Well, Indian is wrong because they're not from India. But... I've seen a lot of only white professors refer to the indigenous people as Native Americans. Like, I did enough research to be like, oh, we shouldn't say Native Americans, but we shouldn't say American Indian either, but we shouldn't say this, and I don't know. I just, I just want to respect you. I just want to call you by the name you want to be called by. So, yeah. This human of a nationality. This human who belongs to a tribe of people that has lived here for longer than I can even conceptualize. So, everybody listening, the first ten episodes we have recorded before we are releasing them. So, I am sure we have already gotten all the emails. And if we did, and if it was wrong, we are sorry. (laughs) We're not experts. We're sisters. (laughs) We're just sisters. That's our only claim to fame. (laughs) We are the first sisters. (laughs) Whatever. Disclaimer done. I'm feeling stressed and anxious now. I just... I love everybody and I want everybody to love me. Kendall, would you you tell me about the recap? So, we start with the recap. (laughs) Oh, this great recap. I I I promised way back when we weren't going to discuss the recap every episode, but for some reason I find it pertinent every time. The recap is changing. I am seeing clips from Hookman. I'm seeing clips from Skin. And I'm feeling better about it. I'm not hating it so much. I don't think, though, that if this were my first episode of Supernatural and I were watching this recap, I don't think I'd have any fucking clue what was happening. (laughs) (laughs) No. No, not not so much. It's not so much recapping as it is throwing dark, edgy bullshit in your face. Yeah, it's more like this is the tone, this is the mood 
of the show mm-hmm. you're about to watch. Other than actual plot line. Because at this point, it's it's not much plot line beyond the same, our mom died, Sam's girlfriend died, dad's missing. Yeah, we don't, we, we don't hit plot until, like, towards the end. So we're, we're coming up close on major plot lines. Oh, plot, how I yearn for thee. <laughs> As we'll see in this in this episode, especially, uh, it is it is important to point out though that this particular recap does end with Sam saying he's doing the driving. <laughs> it's important. It's so important. <laughs> Meaningful. Meanwhile, all right. So we open up in Oasis Plains, Oklahoma. Yes. Ah, yes. Um. <laughs> Don't make me broke at break out into Oklahoma songs. Oklahoma. Okay. Yeah. You're O-K-L-A-H-O-M-A. No. Oklahoma. The only good thing to come out of Oklahoma is Oklahoma. We see construction workers building this huge suburb of, like, nice, pristine, cookie-cutter houses. Mm. And... We have gas and power guys. Mm-hmm. So the gas and power guys hear a rumbly, not in his tumbly, but under his feet. Yes, queen. The camera shakes <laughs> and no one else feels the tremors, but this guy, uh, Dustin is his name. He falls in the hole and before he can get rescued, he's killed by beetles. Not mummy style, just eyeballs bleeding <laughs> style. What aggravated me was, like, he falls down, right? Mm-hmm. He injures his foot. Okay, I get that. Mm-hmm. But he still has two good arms mm-hmm. and one good leg. I would have been trying to climb out. Especially when the first little bugs start crawling through. Yes, one bad ankle does not negate the one good ankle and other two good wrists you have. I agree. What irritated me about this was... Dustin and Travis, they seem to be good friends, right? Right. However, I don't think that I would ever be that panicked about my coworker going down a hole and having a broken ankle. Like, the ground is stable. You have a broken ankle. Otherwise, you are fine. A broken ankle is not deadly. But Travis panics the fuck out. I mean, like, yes, you're hurt, but I have tools. You aren't going anywhere. I'm sorry you hate bugs. I'm sorry you're claustrophobic, but me panicking isn't helping anybody. Yeah, because it had him, like, fumbling with the tools. But Travis the whole time was like, I'm coming, buddy! I, I got you! I'm coming! Oh, my God! <laughs> also, uh, one of the construction workers was not wearing construction gear. Oh, good spot. Good spot. I did not see that. The other two things I noticed about the scene were Oasis Plains, Oklahoma. It's a fake place. Who'd have thunk it? I, 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 we're eight episodes in, and I think we have more fake places than real places. That's a shame. America is real, people. <laughs> we are a real place with real towns and real cities. Not like Jericho. Jericho used to be a place. They stopped making it a place. They, they stopped making it a place. But otherwise, we have lots of real places. Um, also, Travis, <laughs> who is just the hickest boy to ever hick. <laughs> I love him. I love him so much. <laughs> he referred to this place as fat. Man, these are some fat houses, huh? In the subtitles, it specified P-H-A-T, fat. 
Wow. <laughs> Which, even in those mid-aughts, was... <laughs> no. Was a no. <laughs> no. no. You as a, a white hick boy do not get to refer to this housing suburb complex as, this place is really fat. <laughs> it's just weird. It's so weird. <laughs> and I loved it. Oh, honey boo boo. Child. <laughs> so we cut to a biker bar. We get a really cool shot of the scene reflected in a puddle of water as it's being disturbed by a departing motorcycle. And I feel the need to point this out because in this episode we need to cling on to every possible positive moment. <laughs> yes. Sam is being heli judgy. Whining still with the whining. Yeah, but hustling pool? Credit card scams? It's not the most honest thing in the world, Dean. Yeah, outside while Dean hustles inside. We again get confirmation of our headcanon that Sam just wants to hack for companies by day and hunt by night. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, I want to finish this little synopsis, but then I'm going to get into what fucking jobs. <laughs> I love this concept of Sam just wanting to work day jobs. <laughs> On their days off, when there aren't any cases, does he want them to go wait outside of a Lowe's at 6 a.m. to get paid slave wages that are also illegal? No, I see Sam working at, like, a Best Buy and, like, Dean working for Jimmy John's delivering sandwiches. But then you could only work in that one town. What does Sam expect to happen? Okay, yes, you go get employed at a Best Buy. Well, I mean, but I guess then it depends on how long the case is taking. But then people are getting eaten up by a, a ruger ruger <laughs> And you've got to leave right now, but, oh, your manager is talking to you. You just haven't been pulling your sales as much as they want you to lately. <laughs> Sam, get real. <sighs> this Sam, as I have said before, is my least favorite Sam. <laughs> however, however, I think we see some growth in Sam because I believe... Eight episodes in, this is the first time we have seen Sam searching out a case. Yeah. Yeah. Dean plays it for a joke and in the process lets us know that John apparently taught both of his sons how to hustle at pool and poker. Although really, I would have more seen him teaching Dean and Dean teaching Sam. But yeah. The poker part will definitely come up in a future episode. Another thought I had during this scene was... I really feel like we got a glimpse of teenage Sam. Just the the shot of him chilling on the hood of the Impala. It was so comfortable and at ease. It felt like I've done it a million times. this is yeah. This is probably the a million and tenth time. Waiting outside while John and or Dean does something illegal or otherwise frowned upon. <laughs> and mm -hmm. he's just doing his crossword. Or doing some research or studying for a test, trying to be normal while his family leads a jacked up life. <laughs> the crux of the scene, though, is that we learn about Dustin, how he died from human mad cow disease, which, yes, is real. Mm -hmm. Also, Sam <laughs> does the pretentious, the name of the disease is... <laughs> it's not, I, I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. I just remember he puts the, it's like, Johan, but he does like a Johan. <laughs> really putting that degree to good use. Yeah. You went to college. 
We got it. <laughs> we also learn from this scene, well, Sam learns from this scene that Dean watches Oprah. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. I feel like he watches a lot of daytime television, you know, sitting around in hotels all the time. I just want to give Sam and Dean hugs throughout their whole life. Yeah, just, they deserve it. Uh, they deserve more hugs. Just, Too precious for this world. Anyways, this is a weak case, but it's something to do. At least as Sam puts it. So they go meet up with Travis. They pull the nephew routine. Travis says he wasn't acting sick before he died and told them where the construction site is. They go check out the hole, flipping a coin instead of rock, paper, scissors. What? (laughs) Because later on, they rock, paper, scissors, everything. There's an awkward conversation before they go down because Dean called him chicken too many times. All Sam found was ten beetles, no tunnels or tracks. One, Travis is a sweetheart. Did you see the way his face lit up when they said, Oh, Uncle Dusty just speaks the world of you. Yes! It made him so happy. I was like, aw, you little sweetie. You just lost your best friend. I also made note that I wouldn't have thought anything of bugs being in a hole. Oh, no, absolutely. We're so lucky that Sam went down because Dean, like any normal human being, would have dismissed those ten beetles. Yeah, Sam had to use his uh, Super Sam senses. He had to use his college (laughs) know-how to spot that those ten beetles were out of place. This is the only thing down here. (laughs) (laughs) It's just dirt and ten beetles. Like, if he he thought the beetles were significant, I'm surprised he didn't take a dirt sample, a sample of the roots, you know, like a, a particular rock that looked cool to him. You know, I mean, if those beetles were that interesting, ooh. He got down there and he was like, I don't know, there's like 40 beetles down here. I need to collect root samples, dirt samples, rock samples. We need to get back to Jerry Maguire and his airport hangar and put these under a microscope. It's a bunch of bullshit. Also, Hannah, maybe I'm not remembering. Did something happen to the Impala during the Hookman episode? Not that I recall. Your long pause. Yeah, your long pause tells me (laughs) no. Okay, because, again, because of timing issues, I ended up watching this episode three fucking times. Yay! For the fans. For you fans. For the fans. For the fans. I watched this three times. And I noticed in this beetle, the ten beetle scene, Sam's window is covered in cling wrap. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't, if there were, if there were any more details to pluck out of this scene, I don't know because the last time I watched this, I was just fascinated by the cling wrap <laughs> on the window and just taken out with like the, did something happen to the Impala? Did I well, miss a wreck? two points. One, it could just be, you know, shoddy editing. They didn't notice it. Or two, the fact that Sam and Dean could be working cases that aren't featured in the show. Because okay. I know people put out novelizations of cases they've worked between episodes. And those books are canon. All right. So this broken a repaired window is just a call out to a novelization that happened 
in between episodes. Exactly. Okay. It all makes sense now. I'm cool. I'm happy. So, obviously, these ten beetles mean something is up. So, they have to get more information about the neighborhood. So, they go to check out a local open house. And here, Sam gives Dean shit about wanting food, which makes me mad. Because you won't let your brother earn money, but you won't let him go get free food. (laughs) What do you want from me? (laughs) Make up your mind. Also, was Sam even in college? Because college kids love free food more than anything. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not even in college, and I'm like, all about some free food. I'm not even in college anymore either, and I'm still all about that free food, because food is fucking expensive. Oh, you want to feed me? We're best friends now. (laughs) Yeah. You want to feed me? You're not asking anything for it, except that I be here? Uh, Okay, yes. Done. Let me nom on them ribs. (laughs) Dean gives back as good as he gets, because he talks smack about that suburban life. Which we are learning is Dean speak for, actually, I feel the opposite. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I would love this suburban normal life. Evidenced by, oh, it's the, the, uh, the Jin episode, right? Where he gets taken into his fantasy life where his mom lived and he grew up in the suburbs. Mm -hmm. And the only reason why he hates it is because... Sam still does his college life. We're distant and not really that close. Not close at all. It's, uh, that's yeah. a hard episode for me. I'm sorry. I made up for it. It's okay. <laughs> I went to college and I was an asshole, but I came back and I was better. <laughs> God. Anyways, I think... The crux of the issue is that Dean doesn't care what kind of life he has as long as he has family. So, Dean doesn't hate the suburbs. He just hates all those people who have perfect family lives and he doesn't. Yeah, he's just jealous. He's just jealous. He just has feelings and doesn't know how to express them. So they show up at the house and the open house and they are immediately mistaken as a gay couple. Yes, the first misassumption of their relationship. I don't know why you're so ecstatic about that, Hannah. People are probably talking about us, and it makes me uncomfortable. Sorry. <laughs> I know this was played for laughs. However, I also enjoyed this moment because, in real life, what would you assume if you saw two dudes who look nothing alike showing up wanting to buy a house? Yeah, that is that is also... I mean, I don't assume very much ever... But, yeah, I wouldn't have been surprised. But also, this was, I feel, pretty progressive for 2005. Oh, yeah. The show has not been progressive since then, really. (laughs) (laughs) But in their first season, they were going for it. (laughs) And because I feel like in the real world, this guy would have been doing... But he would have been jumping through hoops, hoops, diving underwater, dodging past fire... To figure out some way that these two guys are not gay. Yeah. Yeah, so, very progressive for 2005, I gotta say. So this guy who thinks they are gay is Larry. He's a developer. And he tells the story about how he converted this wild area filled with squirrels (laughs) into a subdivision. (laughs) 
And if you recognize this actor, he's fairly prolific. He's done. He's been in a ton of stuff. His face looked familiar. Nothing like huge, but he's just been in a lot of stuff. So if he looks familiar, it's because he's been in a lot of stuff. Yes. There you go. There you go. If you would like further information, seek out IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> he sets the boys up with his wife Joni. Don't say it like uh, that. Because, huh? Don't say her name like no, that. No, don't say it like that. Oh. He set them up with like his wife. He puts the boys on a date with his wife. So he sets these no, guys up just, with his wife. He dumps the boys on his <laughs> wife. <laughs> Joni. <laughs> because they also want, own one of the homes and he wants her to talk up the area. And then he just ditches her and goes off to schmooze more people, I guess. Mm-hmm. This actress is also very prolific. And you probably recognize her best from Stargate, maybe? If I had ever watched the show, yeah. I feel like in these early years, they get a lot of big faces. <laughs> <laughs> Just giant faces everywhere. Giants. I mean, come on. They got Paris Hilton and Schnooky later on, yeah. so. Yeah. Anyways, Joni immediately passes the boys on to Linda Bloom, who we will also, <laughs> who was also very familiar yeah. <laughs> because in ten, in ten years, we will see Linda playing another Linda, Linda Berman, mm-hmm. in that episode where Sam's imaginary friend comes to life. And wow, I had forgotten that episode existed uh, until I was looking this up. Yep, there's there's an episode. It, this show has everything. Okay, so in the present episode, Linda Bloom also assumes they are gay, gives the same speech with the same. Like, weird pause and everything. Let me just say that we accept homeowners of any race, religion, color, or sexual orientation. And this time, they don't even bother. (laughs) Like, yeah, what the fuck ever. Okay, honey. Dean, off with Larry, goes through the house. He learns that Larry's son is into bugs. Sam, still back with Linda, is learning about Linda's bathing habits. While noticing that there is a tarantula... That some grinning young rapscallion has set on her. He says, excuse me, brushes past her, (laughs) takes two steps towards the tarantula, and she is just gone. (laughs) She takes this excuse me and brushing past her is like, yeah, of course you're done with me. Let me go fuck off and find someone else. She just just dips. She's like, all right, I'm I'm moving on now. She's so ready to accept accept the, oh, you don't want to talk to me? Okay, yeah, I totally get it. Fine. I I, I completely understand. I am annoying. I go on way too long about my showers. It's like like she has experience being dismissed. (laughs) This poor lady. You're right. I am an awful conversationalist. Let me just go cry in this corner. (laughs) God, she dis- Oh, she so disappears. She's she's gone. gone. He cuts her off mid-sentence, excuse me, and we don't hear another fucking word out of her. so okay with it. She never says another word the whole episode. God. This poor, awkward lady. She's- I I, I feel for her. She's- Uh, okay, well... I I love getting to see little baby Samandrio. Yes, so Sam picks up this tarantula, and I feel bad for all the actors in this episode that have to deal with tarantulas. Oh, those furry ranchos. (sighs) 
he confronts the kid who we learn is Matt, played by Tyler Johnston, who will later on go to play Samandriel slash Alfie in season eight. He works at Weenie Hut. Yeah, so my wife recognized the kid uh, while she was walking through and I was going through my third <laughs> viewing of this episode. And she was like, oh, he looks familiar. And I was like, yeah, he's the hot dog angel. Yep. Yep. <laughs> And yeah, that 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 she's like, oh yeah, him, got it. <laughs> uh, so we meet we meet Matt, and this whole thing is so badly acted. Ouch! His first name basis with the old man sounds pretty grim. Really, Mister Padalecki? Really? Hey. We can do better than this. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm guessing that the actor is just, especially Mister Jared Padalecki. He just did not feel this script. <laughs> no, wasn't feeling it. And Matt is apparently an outcast in the family because he likes bugs? Yeah. Yeah. Sam gives this it gets better speech, which really, come on, that's such an allusion to sexuality. (laughs) Like, it makes me wonder if this isn't about something else. (laughs) Larry comes in, and I guess I am headcanoning that Larry spotted the rancho in Matt's hand and immediately gets irate and stalks over to Matt, pulls him away, and gives him the no bugs around guests speech. Which, yeah, yeah, that's, I would say that's reasonable. (laughs) I mean, his argument is reasonable because most people aren't fond of bugs, but him Mm -hmm. getting that angry was... Un- unnecessary. Publicly. Yeah, publicly angry. No, absolutely. Yeah. The the argument, reasonable. The the handling of it, not so much. Right. It definitely had the feel, though, of, I've literally talked to you about this five million times. <laughs> this is our livelihood. Bringing people into our house is how we make money. <laughs> it's how I pay the bills and put you into school. It's how I buy you all these bugs. Do you like your pet spider in your hand right now? Who bought that for you? Who bought that? I did. How did I buy it? Selling homes. You know who buys homes? People who don't like bugs. (laughs) (laughs) Sam takes this all very personally, though. Oh, he does. He does. (laughs) Matt is so obviously a stand-in for Sam that he even has the same haircut. Yes. Dean learned in his time with Larry that... The surveyor for this site also died on the job via bee sting. So, definitely bugs. Definitely bugs. They leave the site. The boys switch it up. Sam is driving, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And Dean is reading. This is bizarre. While they're discussing their bug controlling options. Their first guess is telepathic control. Maybe Matt is using these bugs to kill people? The overall quality of the scene was terrible, I feel like I need to mention. Inconsistent camera work, bad audio, this whole episode is a disaster. Dean has them pull over to squat at one of the hempty... Hempty houses? <laughs> the hempty houses. The hempty houses. They're not in Dean California. Pull- <laughs> not at all. So they're going to squat in one of the empty houses, which is a... A great idea, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no beds, but overall, not a bad idea. But Sam is still on his judgy shit. I did love, however, as he pulls the car in, his arm hanging out the window, he smacks Dean. (laughs) Yes, I noticed that on my second watch through. 
And I just, I giggled. Just watching them break into places is always entertaining. But this one was less break in as it, as it was Stinking. open Stinking. garage door, <laughs> pull in. They didn't have to break any enters. They just had to sneak into enters. We cut to Linda Bloom letting her hair down and learning about West Nile virus on the news. A huge spider calls out of her hair and she knocks it out and then that's it. She doesn't even check to see what it was. How did she even have a spider that huge just chilling in her hair? Oh my god. <laughs> I love that you were reading verbatim all my thoughts. <laughs> okay. I, I didn't make any notes on this scene whatsoever, but that did kind of bug me because... Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> I would have searched for more spiders. Like, why was there one? Where did it come from? Where did that one go? I would have at least looked to see, what did I just knock off my face? Oh, there's a spider on the ground there. Yeah, she didn't even check to see. But say any bug, say a roly-poly had just crawled down off your face and landed on the ground because you knocked it off. Would you not then check your hair? Mm Mm-hmm. For more bugs that are just, you know, hanging around. Yeah, yes, I would. And then would you, yeah, and would you not then also locate the bug you just knocked out of, off your face and out of your hair and make it vacate the premises, whether by death or by relocation? (laughs) I choose relocation. I choose death. (laughs) Okay, so. Thou shalt not suffer a spider to live. Wow. I'm pretty sure God said that. It was witches, but. Uh, some witches have spiders that familiars. Anyway, so Linda Bloom goes and takes a shower, and a bunch of horribly animated CGI spiders crawl out of her shower head, and she has the appropriate reaction of Looney tuning it out of her shower door. <laughs> she couldn't escape the spiders, though. Yeah, I mean, so, like, she turns to run, but... <laughs> but she's in the shower, so her feet slip, and she falls uh-huh. through the glass door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it was dumb. It was so dumb. I didn't know shower doors were that fragile, but... <laughs> They're not. Yeah. Yeah. That's like like window glass, not like shower glass. Didn't even have time to open the shower door, just... slipped and fell on through and made it all of three feet, maybe five tops, before the spiders killed her? I'm guessing she had to die die of blood loss, because those spiders didn't look necessarily venomous. They didn't. Yeah, and the amount of dead spiders that were left at the scene of the crime makes me think, like, they were temporary spiders? Spiders that just came to life pure came to life purely for the purpose of killing her. Well, I mean, I don't know that there are spiders like that, but I know that there are other types of insects that once they have, you know, shot their shot, they're gone. <laughs> once they've blown their load. Ew! ew. <laughs> Gross. Uh, I love doing this to you. <laughs> So we cut to Sam back in their squatting house, yelling at Dean through the bathroom door that there was a death three doors down. (laughs) I walk alone to the dark side of the moon. (laughs) 
We learn that Dean has to carry his own towel everywhere, and it's a big, fluffy brown towel. Well, yeah, because they wouldn't have had the the, the house stocked with utilities. Nope. Well, not utilities, because water's utility, but, like... I'm I'm water. honestly surprised the water's even turned on. Yeah. I, I, all right, headcanon, they are good enough at this shit that they were able to find the main water line and turn it on. Because you usually need to call someone from the city to come and turn your water, like, your main water on and off. Mm-hmm. I think they know how to do that. They have the tools. Oh, yeah. That big trunk ain't for nothing. And I was actually a little proud of this episode for embracing the rain. Because previously, Larry at the open house had mentioned the crappy weather, mm-hmm. and now it's full-on raining. When's the next time we see the boys carrying umbrellas? I'm not sure we ever see them with umbrellas. <laughs> like, how is this scene not gift to hell? <laughs> because... It's the only umbrella scene we ever get of the boys. I'm like, Correct. did they just run down viewers. to the corner store and purchase umbrellas specifically to impress this urban family? Or suburban no, family? No, the umbrellas are kept below the rifles, Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> below the sawed-off shotguns, you get the extra-long umbrellas. <laughs> uh, they show up at the crime scene and they find Larry, they have a quick chat... Dean has his, like, uber princess innocent, oh, we're just here because we were just looking at the area some more. And we also have another breaking in with them climbing in through the rear window. (laughs) Uh, They do another fancy shot, though, here, where we start watching them crawl into the room from a mirror, and then we pan over to them. There's two mirror shots in this episode, and I appreciate the the cameraman, the director, the cinematography for these cool trick shots. But usually trick shots are there to, I don't know, represent duality or fucking mean something. <laughs> they just thought it looked cool. It, it doesn't fucking mean anything in this episode about bugs. <laughs> so anyways... The boys get in there. They don't wipe their shoes off, even though they're walking on white carpet, and they just came from a very rainy day outside. Also, Sam's wearing pumas. It doesn't mean anything. I was just amused by the fact that he was wearing pumas. <laughs> it's because we've watched it so many times. <laughs> we've watched it so much. I've watched this episode more than I thought I would ever watch this episode. <laughs> more than anyone should have to. <sighs> they go into the bathroom, and they find... You know, for Halloween, you get those plastic rings that are supposed to be all spooky, scary for kids. Yep. <laughs> they they find a bunch of those plastic spider rings on the floor in the bathroom. <laughs> because the people in charge of this episode, the producers, they spent all their money on the actors who spend 30 seconds on the screen in this, in this episode. And they had no money left over for props. Nope. For camera quality. Nope. For sound quality. For Padalecki's acting. Just (laughs) no money left. They spent all their money on the actors. Yes. They were like, you know that lady from Stargate? Let's bring her in for 30 seconds. We need that star quality to really elevate this episode. So they decide to go and stalk Matt. Um, He, like, gets off the bus and they're, like, just creeping in their car. And they're like, well, he's not going home. (laughs) Where's he going? And He's so suspicious. Apparently he goes and hunts for bugs after school, and they approach him like serial killers, even saying, 
we think you're safe, like serial killers do. <laughs> Dean is super creepy and intimidating. Matt defends himself, but reveals that something weird is going on with the bugs, and he's aware of the same cases as the boys. Real quick. I'm not wrong, right? Dean has been super hard this whole episode. Oh, yeah. He's been irrationally like, you're the fucker with the bugs, aren't you? (laughs) And honestly, if he had been the reason for the bugs, then, then this would be the perfect trap. It would be a really good trap, like, follow me into the woods and let me show you why I'm not the person you're looking for. (laughs) <laughs> like bug killers do. Yeah. I feel like in later seasons, if if they dared to do this again, then <laughs> then Matt would be suspect number one. Like, he would, he would be the one doing this instead of what it turned out to be. Yeah, their suspicion of Matt is so dubious. They don't even really suspect Matt. But Matt is the only thing on the table right now. So, like, mm, IVK, guess it's Matt. <laughs> but even being suspicious of him, they just followed him. They just followed okay. him, having no idea. He could have been really, really powerful in making himself look like a young guy. I've, I've seen too much of this show, and, like, they could have done more. Anyway. Yeah, these baby hunters know nothing. <laughs> So, he shows them the place where he's been studying bugs because they've all been gathering there. And on the way, Dean and Sam butt heads over college versus family. Dean taps his foot on a pile of earthworms and the worms fall into a hole. And at the bottom of that hole, now filled with worms, is a skull. Yes. Uh, Like, just reaching your hand in there, you don't... He does do the stick first, which I appreciate. Yeah. But then he sticks his hand in. And I have to say, though... There are some very good squishy sound effects <laughs> when Dean sticks his hand into this hole that is filled with worms. Also, this whole college versus family thing, ugh, it's it's so frustrating. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot of Sam projecting his emotions, I feel like. Matt, I'm pretty sure his problems with his dad aren't so epic that he needs to escape to college. Right. They're, they're taking the extremes here and not compromising, not trying to understand the other one, just like, my side is right, your side is wrong. Mm-hmm. And the world is not that black and white. Yeah. And Sam doesn't even try to understand Matt's situation. No. He just... He's just projecting yeah. his. Yeah, he just hears the surface and he's like, oh, I know totally what you're going through. Same, brother, same. <laughs> And Dean is projecting also where he's acting like going to college means you have to leave your family behind permanently. (laughs) It's, I'm not going to say it's completely dumb and bad writing, but I feel like it's a conversation they've already had and resolved to a certain extent by this point. And this is more backwards momentum than it is forwards. Yes. So we cut to a university, and Sam's driving again. What? Maybe this is why the recap had a clip of Sam saying, I'm driving? Because the editors were like, damn, Sam's driving a lot this episode. Maybe we should (laughs) clue the viewer into that. Wow. And they're carrying these skulls and bones that they found back at the bug congregation. Mound. The mound, where all the worms live, in a box. And maybe this is a haunting after all. 
And since we were just talking about family, let's talk about family some more. Dean nags Sam about giving bad advice to Matt, and Sam insists he did respect John, and blah, 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 blah. Sam insists that John was always disappointed because Sam wanted to be normal, and John wanted Sam to not be normal, and John was never proud of Sam, and even though we just heard a few episodes ago from mysterious hanger job Jerry that John was very proud of Sam for going to college, it doesn't matter because John wasn't proud of Sam at all, according to Sam. <sighs> Whatever. We also learned that John used to stalk Sam at college every now and then. Yeah, your dad's a stalker. <sighs> there's the part of you that's like, oh, dad's checking up on Sam. But there's also the part that's like, ugh, you were spying on your son. Yeah. <laughs> what if you had your binoculars out while he was macking down on Jess? Ew. Like, you, <laughs> exactly. Huh. Dean defends John to Sam. In this instance, though, I do kind of get it, because I take this role a lot. Not necessarily, like, in our family, but you kind of defend the person who isn't there, you know? Yeah. I, I can see Dean in arguments with John defending Sam and Sam's choice, and I would have loved to have seen that. Oh, absolutely. Where Dean stands up for Sam and saying, yes, Sam should go to college. Sam's the smartest of all of us, and Sam deserves this, blah, 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 and standing it to John. And then on the reverse. And then on the reverse, he stands up for John to Sam and says, you know, he was just trying to do the best for us that he knew how to do. However, though, in this conversation, we really do get evidence for something you pointed out a while back about how the rift between the brothers probably formed when Dean took John's side in the open family argument about Sam going to college. Yeah. But again, I can't blame Dean because he, in that instance, didn't want to be abandoned by his brother. And be alone with John. And be alone with John, yeah. Because, so, like, Sam and Dean always had each other. Mm-hmm. Mm. But now Dean's not leaving this life. Dean... At this point, it's past the typical college age. Did he, he got a GED, right? He didn't even graduate high school. Right. Right. So he, a long time ago, abandoned any idea of a normal life and has committed himself to this lifestyle. Not that you can't have a normal life with a GED. No, 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 no. Absolutely, you can. I just wanted to... But in this instance, well, yes, absolutely. GEDs are... No, GEDs are valid. If, if anything, GEDs are harder. Yeah. But Dean has definitely resigned himself to this life, and it is a very lonely lifestyle, especially at this point, because for some reason, John hasn't made those hunter connections that we will see Sam and Dean make throughout the course of the series. It's so helpful to have hunter connections. I mean, I was thinking about this so much, going back and listening to our episodes and doing the editing about how they are so alone and how so many of the problems they face in these early episodes are fixed in the later episodes because they make those connections. You know, I gave a case to a fellow hunter because we weren't in the area, but I'm expecting a check-in from them in a few hours, and if they don't check in the next few hours, I will know something is up, which is obviously a callback to that first case where their dad went missing for weeks and they had no idea if something was wrong or not. Yes. Absolutely. And how a lot of what they set up among their fellow hunters in the future is based off all these trials and issues they had in these early years. 
and also what they've learned from fellow hunters. Like, yeah. They learn so much. Oh. Yeah. Where are we going with this? So, back at the college. But yes, okay. (laughs) (laughs) At their appointment, they pretend to be students successfully. (laughs) Because (laughs) Sam very wisely chose the most get lost in the crowd class. Oh, Anthro 101. And this professor is super chillaxed about <laughs> random students bringing him random skeletons. Yeah, like, I, I, I would have taken them to the cops. <laughs> or, like, as the professor, been like, you should probably take this to the cops. Like, <laughs> where, where did you find this? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chillest professor ever. I I think he's so desperate for something to support his current thesis. He's like, you know what? I don't even care if you dug this up yourself out of a graveyard. (laughs) I will take this. Thank you. The professor thinks that these are... he, He refers to them as Native Americans, right? Yes. He believes these are Native Americans. He he hedged the conversation about how these uh, people were moved from one area to the other by saying, uh, they were relocated. <laughs> and I, I was just like, um, um, sir, <laughs> that's a very nice way to put it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's the nicest way you could possibly the, 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 put it. The, the, the such nicest way. Anyways, he sends them to go visit the Yuchi tribe in Sapulpa. Is that how you say it? Sapulpa? Sapulpa. Which, by the way, the Yuchi tribe are a real people, and they actually do live in and around Sapulpa, which is a real place. Yay! So, good on the writers for writing about real people in a real place. And actually, Hannah... The Yuchi are originally from East Tennessee. Nice. However, the Yuchi were forcefully driven from East Tennessee in the 1800s. So, fuck the police. That's what I have to say. So they go visit the Yuchi to learn about this magical spot of bugs where they found all the skulls and bones. At a diner, they find Joe White Tree, played by Jimmy Herman. Mm-hmm. Who accuses Dean of being a liar, which I love. You know, we start sentence with, true this, liar. And he tells a story of 200 years ago, his tribe had lived in that valley. When the army came to push them out, they slaughtered the people there over a week period. Since the tribe had resisted this onslaught. Legend says that as the chief lay dying, he proclaimed that no white man would tarnish that land again or that nature would rise up against the white man. Through this, they realize they arrived on the day of the spring equinox and tonight is the sixth day of the curse. So every white person on the land will die. I have a couple questions. Okay, yeah. One, how did they find Joe White Tree? Because... <laughs> 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 I don't know. Because <laughs> they're sent to go talk to the Yuchi tribe, and we see, like, a clip of Dean asking for directions. Yep. And then next thing we know, they just roll up in a diner, like, hey, you, you're the one we're supposed to talk to. <laughs> yeah, I, 
Is he the leader of the tribe? Is that why they're there? Because they certainly didn't do anything in the show to indicate to us that this old gentleman playing solitaire in a diner was the leader of the tribe. I I don't have an answer for you. (laughs) I'm just saying the character work in this show thus far needs some serious work. Do you think if he were a white person, they would have given a little more background and depth to this character? Yes. I know, that's what makes me really mad. (laughs) Um, Also, I did love this. Mr. Whitetree knows what time of year it is (laughs) when he's telling the story. He is fully aware that the moon and the sun just shared the sky as equals. (laughs) And when he is telling how at the end of this week, by the end of today, none of these white people on the land will survive. His face clearly says either he does not believe in this curse or he doesn't give two fucks about white people dying. (laughs) I I don't think he cares. I don't care either, honestly. Um, Larry and Joni can fuck off and die. Like, it's fine. So, like, like, when they're, they're leaving this diner and Sam's like, well, how do we break the curse? And Dean's like, you don't. You get out of its way. It, it makes me mad because they don't even try. Well, Hannah, take us in. Take us in. I got this. They only know enough to name that monster. <laughs> So yes, Hannah, as you were saying, it's not a monster, it's a curse. Dean insists that you can't break a curse, but that's a lie. (laughs) This is a lie that baby hunters believe before they learn better. Like, they could probably break the curse now, but they're not going back. And in fact, once they do learn how to break curses, they never go back and break this one. No, no, they don't. It's like we could get that guy his money back. Well, you know, <laughs> he lost millions of dollars trying to, honestly, we don't need any more subdivisions. It, it's fine. Just let the Yuchi have this one, please. <laughs> so, a curse. <clears throat> also called an imprecation, malediction, execration, malison, anathema, or combination. <laughs> is any expressed wish that some form of adversity or misfortune will befall or attach to some other entity, one or more persons, a place, or an object. Yeah. That's what a curse is, and curses, whether they be real or not, is something that has existed in our minds throughout time. I don't need to go into all of the diverse history of a curse, right? Right. It's basically, you say, oh, I want this bad thing to happen, and... If you did it right, that bad thing does happen. Exactly, it's a curse. So, I tried to do research into how to break a curse, but that led me to a lot of witch and wiccan sites. So, according to witch and wiccan sites, how do you break a curse? You take a salt bath with a lot of chanting... You can use lemons by, I guess, putting the curse into the lemon. You can use angel crystals. So the crystal will cleanse you. I don't know how it came across an angel, but it works. Those should all do you. Basically, those are the big three. Salt baths with chanting. Just a regular old salt bath won't do you. 
lemons, I think particularly lemons at sunset and sundown, and angel crystals. Those are all what you need. And also the fact that the boys just needed to give the burial grounds a good scrub down. They just need to bring some salt and lemons and chanting and crystals into the burial grounds and just scrub those trees. Yeah, it would have been fine. Yeah, also, also, disclaimer, Wiccans and Witches listening, I, I am, I, I know that is not how you do it. Please don't yell at me. Yeah, like, I would think that there would be different ways depending on the curse. And especially, like, these sound like ways to uncurse a person, not so much an object or a place. Yeah, I think it might be different when a leader of a whole tribe places a curse on an entire land. I don't know. Yeah. Wiccans and witches, please. I learned that curses can be placed accidentally. Hexes are on purpose. Curses are usually accidental. And I don't need that in my life. <laughs> I'm I'm an unemployed person who just volunteers around at places trying to find my life's purpose at the moment and doing a podcast with my sister to take up my time and give me some purpose. Please don't accidentally curse me. I work with the elderly. <laughs> and my sister works with the elderly. I don't even have a bathtub to take a salt bath in. I don't have access to crystals. I could buy lemons, but I wouldn't know how to use them. I don't think I have specifically angel crystals. I have other pretty rocks. <laughs> I I don't even have pretty rocks. I have jewelry. Would jewelry work? Like, I have a myriad of rocks that my Wiccan friends tell me do things. And I think that's cool, so I keep them with me. Okay, well, for next episode, maybe you can ask your Wiccan friends how to break a curse. And maybe we can have one of them come on as a guest star and tell us how to break a curse. That's lovely. So that all the other Wiccans out there won't curse us for putting bad information about Wicca out there. It's a great idea. The biggest thing I learned, though, is that hexes are intentional. Curses are more like a... A middle finger to the world that you don't really think is going to do anything, but it actually does. So the dying chief probably was like, fuck you, white people. Not thinking it would actually work, but damn, it worked. Yeah, dude. And that ends our section on Name That Monster! Best section ever. <laughs> so... We watch the boys slowly peel out of the reservation, and it's daytime. But then we cut to Matt bug hunting in the nighttime, because <laughs> he's got an obsession. <laughs> he's like, I could just chill in my room, or I could go bug hunting. He hears something underground, so he, he, he scooches down to the ground, but he doesn't stick his hand into the hole he finds, luckily, because instantly a bunch of gross hissing cockroaches just out of the hole. He looks all surprised. I'm like, what did you expect would happen? I know, he's been so in the know so far. He's like, yeah, I know all about these bug-related deaths. I I'm super onto this case, and I love the bugs, and I know what they're up to, except I don't know what they're up to. But, yeah. Anyways. The boys, still now at nighttime... They're trying to convince Larry of a gas leak, and Larry is not buying any of it. No. He's like, uh-huh, yeah, okay, yeah. and who did you say you are? Oh, yeah, that dude? Yeah. Known him all my life, so. <laughs> <laughs> so they try to call Matt, and Matt is freaking out, and Sam is freaking out. They're like, I don't know what to do, bleh! And 
Dean grabs the phone. He's like, fucking fake appendicitis and go to the hospital. Which I thought was a pretty cool moment in the sense that Dean, after all of this back and forth about dads and respect and family, he's the one who realizes you're not going to make your dad listen to you. Dad's not going to believe a 14-year-old about crazy supernatural stuff. Yeah. Like, ever. And, I mean, I agree with Dean on this, because when Dean was like, or when Sam was like, make him listen, I was like, <laughs> really? All these bugs are coming to attack us, Dad. <laughs> like, okay. You know how they tell us that 99.9% of insects are harmless? What if they weren't? <laughs> I've been doing this research that says they're coming. They're all in this one spot that's like a mile away from our house. Maybe that's something, Dad. Hmm. Such bullshit. Why are you calling my therapist? (laughs) (laughs) I think the bugs are representing a part of your childhood. No. (laughs) So, Sam and Dean show up, presumably less than an hour later, and no one has left yet. Surprise. Matt told the truth, so Larry is threatening to call the cops. Which is totally understandable, because I'd be like, hey, don't be making plans with my child. (laughs) You two adult men, what are you doing? When Dean is like, Matt, I thought we had a plan, I would be like, you pedophile get off my porch step plans with my child my Uh. sweet baby boy (laughs) they try again to get them to leave stating that it is 12 a.m i.e midnight even though they were an hour away when it was daylight and we know dean hall's ass when lives are on the line but larry isn't having any of this crazy nonsense while they are yelling Dean hears the buzzing swarm begin. It blacks out the skies. It blacks out the stars and moon. Anyway. so you see a a swarm coming, and it's like, bleh, black thing coming off the horizon. And this this scene aggravates me because they go to hide in the house, but, like, at first, Dean was like, (laughs) get in the car. And then Matt's like, there's no time. (laughs) I guess because mom was in the house, didn't have time to call mom. <laughs> I would have just yelled in there, get in the car now, and then I would have gotten in the car and waited a bit, you know, but then I would have left. I'm like, sorry, lady. Or one of them could have gone in to get mom, because obviously they can survive a long time around bugs, mm-hmm. but whatever, let's move on. So they go inside, they block the doors and windows with towels, but can't call out because bugs have eaten through the phone and power lines. Also, bugs can block cell signals, it seems. Their only plan is to survive until sunrise. <laughs> Which, it's, I mean, it's such I, I get nature and bugs attacking. I get that. But I don't understand them knowing to chew through the power lines. And I don't see how a layer of bug guts... Cuts out a cell phone signal. Yeah, these kamikaze bugs are just (laughs) piloting their bodies to smush against the body, and that apparently is going to block cell signals. Yeah, I I completely agree. 
the previous deaths have been SWAT team missions. Just a few bugs sent in to kill one person at a time. So you would think this would be the elite bugs being sent in to kill the five people inside no, the house. This is, this is the epitome of, you know, throwing the noodles and see what sticks. The bug version of throwing noodles to see what sticks. <laughs> and, okay, one... Dean and Larry go off into the right side of the camera to go collect towels. And when we swing back around, they're on the left side of the shot getting towels. And they get the one towel to block the one door. And, like, we even hear Sam say that they had to deal with the fireplace. But then nobody did, and bugs come in that way. God, they do the worst job of locking down this house. Yeah. They really should have spent more time bug-proofing their outfits. Like, they would have been better off holding themselves up in one room, blocking Mm -hmm. off those cracks. And Mm -hmm. They would have been better off that way. I was thinking go to a bathroom. Yes, the bathroom. Because I don't know how many bugs can get through pipes without drowning like how many waterproof bugs are there yeah you you turn the shower on fill the bathtub up and you plug and fill the sink up and you just start plugging shit everywhere you turn and yeah Yeah. they should just made bug proof suits but um little factoid corner over here you and i gave shit at this episode for the cgi before we ever even watched it (laughs) a million times for the fans but there were real bees used in this episode. In fact, 60,000 bees were on site wow. for the attic scene. Unfortunately, bees are tiny and they kind of camouflage. So you couldn't see the bees on the camera. So they had to use CGI in order to make it dramatic. Jensen Ackles was the first actor or first person on the scene to get stung, which apparently amused Jared Padalecki enormously. However, Ackles got his revenge or... No, he didn't get revenge. Padalecki got his comeuppance shortly thereafter when Padalecki sat down on a bee, which I'm guessing killed the bee and stung Jared. So really, who came out at a loss on this one? The bee. Yeah. And according to sources, everybody on set got stung, despite all the special cuffs they were all wearing to prevent insects crawling under the skin. So, I'm thinking this episode sucked. For everyone. For everybody. Like, nobody likes this episode. So, Dean finds bug spray. One Mm -hmm. solitary can of bug spray. (laughs) And the wife's like, really? And he's like, what else? Uh, They are huddled in the living room by the fireplace and just stand there until the bees bust through it. They're attacked by bees until Dean turns the bug spray into a flamethrower, which would really work with (laughs) other aerosols, right? Like, he could have used all the aerosols and just been stopped. Yeah, the bug spray isn't special in this case. (laughs) They get into the attic, which can't be any safer, The bugs up there eat through the roof. Light is coming from somewhere outside. (laughs) Like, the only thing I could think of was, like, a street light. That's the only thing I could come up with. But they chewed through all the power lines, Hannah. (laughs) They they plug one hole just for another to form, and they really should all be dead at this point. And, like, when they plug the one hole, 
it really looked like a piece of cardboard. Well, like, I get that, that there are now termites swarming the roof to make holes for the bees to come through. So there has to be some bug general in charge who is coordinating all of these efforts. Yeah. What really bugged me was beyond the bugs coordinating beyond species <laughs> was for a solid 30 seconds, Dean and Sam just watched this hole be formed by termites. <laughs> and it's not until the chunk of wood has fallen through that they try to solve the issue, thereby giving ample time for thousands of bees to swarm through. But whatever. Also, every other person we have seen be killed by this point has been killed by... Mm, 100, 200 bugs tops, right? Right. At this point, everybody in that attic should be dead. Yeah. Like, whether you are allergic to bees or not, I'm pretty sure getting stung by 100 bees at one time would kill any person. Oh, yeah. An allergy to bees is not because, oh, bees are just weirdly poisonous to you. No, the fuck, bee, the stings are poisonous. It's just, does one kill you or does 100 kill you? That's the sensitivity ratio there <laughs> all of these people should be dead but somehow 20 minutes later it's sunrise it was and... night but now it's day <laughs> <laughs> oh i'm so mad at i after the phantom traveler bizarre timeline issue i thought i wouldn't be irritated at this but literally sam and dean make a hour-long drive in four hours even though lives are on the line and then from 12 a.m to 6 a.m we'll say it's the height of summer even though the height of winter was three episodes ago <laughs> it's now the height of summer there's six hours between we'll say five and a half there's five and a half hours between midnight and sunrise and there's maybe an hour shown on camera yes maybe maybe Maybe. And sunrise doesn't happen slowly. It's like, ooh, it's nighttime and boom! It's sunrise. <laughs> it's like the, all the bugs leave and like, we'll get you next equinox. <laughs> <laughs> and no one is dead. No one even has a single bug bite. No, actually, you can see little red spots on Sam and Dean. Oh, really? Those aren't just freckles? <laughs> yeah. Are you sure? I made note of it. I was like, oh, they included little bug bites on them. <laughs> I'm just so mad. And here's why I'm mad. Not because this is hard storytelling or we were trying to just up the drama. Because we see this done a lot throughout the series. Where they are stuck someplace for an amount of hours. and Dramatic shots. Dramatic music. It would have taken no more amount of time. Of them trying to put towels around doors, or the finding the bug spray, or the staring at the fireplace, or running up to the attic. Which, the attic is the least safe place to be. Yeah. You're putting the least amount of walls between you and the bugs, but whatever. <laughs> it would have taken no nothing to show them hunkering down in one room, creating those anti-bug weapons... Waiting for hours as the bugs slowly eat their way through the walls until it's crisis time and they're counting down the minutes till sunrise and then boom, sunrise. And there's this dramatic hole through six series of walls that the bugs have chewed through trying to try and get to you in that, those hours. 
overall, this whole experience doesn't seem so much deadly as it seems like an episode of Fear Factor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we cut to the Impala driving up to this house that's being packed by movers. <laughs> Which, I'm surprised anybody's still there. Yeah. I'm surprised they're still alive. (laughs) It turns out that by turning those bones over to the university, it set in motion some government investigations into uh, this this site as a historical one. (laughs) Which... Good job, boys. I I think this might be the only time we have government (laughs) interference (laughs) that says, hold up, (laughs) maybe people should stop doing things here because old bones, let's respect people's history. Yeah. Uh, Sam learns that, yes, fathers are capable of loving even their quote-unquote freak children. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes trauma brings families together instead of tearing them apart. Although... (laughs) I, again, I, I didn't like this because even when Matt and his dad were fighting over the, on the porch over, why don't you listen to me? He was saying, you stay the fuck away from my boy. You stay away from my son. You stay away from my family. Like, he was protecting Matt. I, I didn't see anything in there that gave me warning signs of he doesn't care about his son. Yeah, he definitely did. Yeah. And when the bees were attacking, he and Joni, jo- Joni, Joni, were both hovering over Matt. Like, they were both protecting their son. Yeah. He loves his son. I'm sorry he has trouble with the bugs and how it interferes with his real estate business. Like, <laughs> hey, he just needs some, like, anger management classes. Yeah, possibly that. Possibly his son is gay. Nobody knows. <laughs> Sam goes to talk to Matt. He sees Matt throwing out all of his bugs. And they both agree, yes, is the rational reaction to a traumatic experience with bugs. They kind of creep me out now. <laughs> and then Sam goes and talks to Dean by the Impala. And he's like, yes, I do want to go find our dad. Which, you know, in case anybody missed it, has been our purpose for the last seven episodes. But now I want to find him so I can apologize to him. Because we have made progress in this conversation. <laughs> They laugh over their dysfunctional family, and then they hit the road, and the end. Rocky Like a Hurricane plays by the Scorpions. I didn't have the joy of hearing that song, because I'm watching on Netflix. Got any themes? I got two or three. (laughs) I've got many, many themes. I'm just... (sighs) I need a second. This episode, Hannah. Oh my god. Alright. Let's go to themes. Hannah, give me a theme. People thinking Sam and Dean are a couple. <laughs> oh, how did I miss that theme? You're so right. <laughs> the next time I think of is them as an antiquing, antiquing couple with the dollhouse. Uh, yes, but then also the not not a race, but all these kids are going into comas, and they meet this young kid who's taking care of his younger brother. And he was like, king of two queens. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Dean gotcha. was like, two queens. And he was like, yeah, I bet. <laughs> I think that's also the first episode where we find out how John would leave Dean to watch over Sam. Mm-hmm. And then there's also when they discover the supernatural books. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they know we're brothers, right? They don't seem to care. <laughs> 
And then also the, the Samadine cosplayers who are like, oh no, we're a couple. Yes. <laughs> I love um, it. Another theme is arguing about John. Yeah, I kind of wrapped that all up into Sam Normal, Dean Strange. <laughs> Um, and Good. Dean enjoying being pampered like the Disney princess he is. Aw, yes, I love it. Him and his fluffy towel. But, I mean, to, f- to be fair, I would want to try a steam shower, too. Like, what does that even mean? I don't know. <laughs> like, you don't have an actual spray? You're just washed by the steam? <laughs> I don't know. But I want to try it. I want to try it, too. All right, I have, I have quite a few here. Lay them on me. I'll go... All right, so the theme of bars, hustling, Sam not respecting Dean for his... Life choices. His life choices. But we we do see bars and hustling come up, I feel, quite a bit. Mm -hmm. We have, again, the common case of... uh, It's a newspaper case. (laughs) Sam found this in a newspaper. Um, I have a few Dean themes coming on here. So first is Soft Dean. He's watching Oprah, we find out. Here, we don't see Dean yet accepting that side of himself. He doesn't say anything. He just kind of shrugs it off like, oh, well, you know, like, in that kind of, oh, everybody knows about Oprah, right? (laughs) But in later years, we will see Dean kind of defend those parts of himself that don't strictly fit that very hyper-masculine ideal. Macho man. Yeah. At this point, he... He shrugs it off, and he's like, no, I'm totally macho. But in the future, we'll see him kind of accept, like, you know, I don't have to be macho to be a man. Damn it. Uh, We do see an evidence of slutty Dean. When they're pulling up at the university, he leans out the window to check out a girl who's wearing some very dated, like, Ugg-style wrap-up boots. (laughs) Yeah. And this whole theme of lying, fake, untrustworthy, bad boy Dean. I don't I don't know if it's a theme quite, but I when Mr. White Tree was like, You're a liar, <laughs> it didn't surprise me. Like I felt like it was something we hear or see a lot around Dean. The mm-hmm. fact that people don't want to trust Dean, but they want to trust Sam. I don't know. Yeah. Um, breaking in, we see a lot of breaking in throughout the show. Um, we kinda saw the innocence involved in this. This this is definitely a case where the innocents are definitely informed of the supernatural by now. Oh, yeah. Uh, Larry was like, I'm going to make sure nobody lives here ever again. <laughs> uh, a big theme so far, and it wasn't a theme for me until this episode, but their fake identities is seriously not working for them thus far. No. <laughs> it doesn't work. They haven't convinced anybody yet. They didn't convince the cops and the pilot. Nope. They didn't convince the park ranger or Haley in Wendigo. Nope. They didn't convince the sheriff in Dead in the Water. Nope. They didn't convince the flight attendant in Phantom Traveler. Nope. They didn't convince the coroner or Charlie in the Baby Mary episode. Nope. They were almost convincing in Skin, but they didn't have their system of hunters who provide, like, backup, uh... Resources. Uh, references, backup references, references yeah. to their cover stories. And I guess they did okay in their frat cover story in Hookman, but, I mean, is it really that hard to convince frat boys no. in the stereotype of frat boys? <laughs> Come on. I mean, really. 
the fact that they couldn't convince Larry, oh yeah, we're definitely Travis from Gas and Power and you have a gas leak. No. No. No, that that was probably the worst I've ever seen. It wasn't even that bad. It was just they chose Travis and they didn't take into account that this guy is the developer for this property and he's probably in close contact with everybody on the scene. Yeah, he's the, the, the head honcho, leader boss guy. Yeah. It they just it was poor planning. They're not they're not good at this yet. And can we talk real quick? It's not quite a theme yet. It's it's never actually a blatant theme, but can we talk about hair? Um, yes. Sam has the long hair and we see it echoed by Matt in his alternative not quite fitting in with normal. Mm-hmm. Like the long hair. And the long hair is supposed to cue Sam's darker nature. Yeah. And it, it it never sat like when I first saw that, like Sam has long hair to show that he's the darker sibling, blah blah blah. It never made sense to me no. because Dean is the one who is constantly portrayed as the bad boy, the liar, the cheat, the gambler, the drinker, the womanizer, etc. etc. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Like I see the long hair and I think sweet boy. Yeah, because He's the opposite of Dean. He's the good boy. He's the truth teller. He's the honest dealer. He's the let's get a day job. He's the drinker kale. Like the, <laughs> He's... the way before you mentioned it to me, I had seen stuff online where Dean is the Han Solo and Sam is the Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. And that's how I see it because, I mean, Han Solo had shorter hair <laughs> and... You know, Luke had the locks. Yeah, but when you read into trivia about the show, they specifically mentioned they wanted Sam to have longer hair because longer hair was seen as more rebellious, and he was the rebellious son. Well, rebellious in his own way, and... You're right. Shorter hair would be in line with, like, military haircuts. Mm. So Sam having his hair longer would be rebellious to his father. All right, I'm. This is why I wanted to bring it up with you because this is what the selling I was needing. That okay, yes, in the context of our normal life, long hair would be the bad boy look. Mm. But in their life, in their normal, long hair is the good boy look because you wouldn't go into a fight with your hair long and hanging because people would grab that. Right. Which more people could do that in a fight with Sam? I know, right? You'd think they take advantage of that. They take advantage of it whenever a girl has a fight with long hair. I mean, I would take advantage of that. Oh. Yeah. Okay, so it's making more sense to me now that... Because I, I never really jived with that. Because Dean is constantly portrayed as the bad boy. And Sam's bad boyness only comes up later when he's being mentally compromised and is that even really his fault or his choice? Right. Dean is a bad boy by choice. So, yeah. Sam is a good boy by choice. He just wants to have his picket white fence and get his law degree and settle down and have 2.5 kids. Jeez. Exactly 2.5. Exactly 2.5. <laughs> Half of a kid. Is that an abortion? Um. I... Mm. <laughs> hey... I Let's... put you in an awkward spot. <laughs> also, also, we haven't had a single tall Sam joke yet. Let's keep an ear out for the first Sam so fucking tall joke. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Hannah. Yeah. 
What did you hate and what did you love? When you're surrounded by darkness. I hate the bugs. <laughs> and just all all of them. All every last one. Mainly the spiders. Ugh. But next after that is the CGI them like swatting it. Now I know they weren't swatting at nothing, but But those poor bees <laughs> they were swatting at. <laughs> what yeah. did those bees do to deserve? They're endangered, you know. But yeah, that that spider crawling down her face. <laughs> it makes me hurt. What did you hate, Kendall? For all that in previous episodes, I have loved their continuation and their talk and their growth about the trauma that was dealt to both of them through Sam going to college. In this episode, I hated every second they opened their mouths to talk about their family. Not two episodes ago, in Skin, they covered the same territory, only so much more poignantly with shapeshifters Dean pouring out Dean's emotion in his absence and Sam dealing, like... That was... Like, there was no reason to rehash it all poorly. <laughs> poorly. And in this episode, it felt awkward and uncommunicative. Almost like, you know, when you are in the room with people who are starting to have a fight, but they can't really have the fight in front of you because they don't want to yeah. divulge anything too important, but they're still going to have the fight in front of you, and you're just awkwardly like... <laughs> Can I go into another room because I shouldn't be present for this? That's how I felt this whole episode. <laughs> That's a very apt description. Yeah. Like, I need to leave so that you two can talk honestly about whatever the <laughs> fuck you have going on right here. <laughs> but, all, but yeah, but they've had this conversation already. And this is probably one of the biggest issues I have with Supernatural as a show, as a whole is the writers want to keep the drama. They want to keep the tension. They want to keep the family drama and tension intense. And the way they do that is by never letting them resolve old tension until a new greater tension comes along. So even though they've been talking this issue out in a very cathartic and like healthy kind of way thus far, they have to take three steps back and have this awkward, horrible conversation throughout the whole episode. It, it cheapens the progress they've made. Exactly. And they do that with this show so much. And if it weren't for that and all the killing of women that they do in this show, I would say this would be a perfect show. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to know what I loved about this episode? Tell me why you love this show. This episode. This episode. <laughs> <laughs> we don't we we have more time for that later. Um I loved this episode because of Joe Whitetree, played by Jimmy Herman. Mm -hmm. Like he saved the episode for me. Really? Like he's he's the only good thing. <laughs> he's the only good thing. That was my love too. I had so my big love was that not only did they get an actual indigenous person to play this role mm -hmm. like even if they couldn't get someone from america to play it they got someone from the americas they got a first nations person to play this role and he is a fantastic actor oh yeah i didn't like though that they had him use the word relocate mm -hmm. yes i agree with you there 
Like, you can't help what's in the script, though. It's a fucking insult to the... Ugh, it's, it's not for you and I to discuss, but we can at least acknowledge that yeah. it's it was never okay, and it's not okay for an episode of this show to try and play nice. Yeah, and try and play nice. Misrepresent, yes. I did like the trick shots, the mirror shots from the pool in the ground and the mirror in the bedroom. They didn't serve a purpose, but, you know, it distracted me, I guess. <laughs> and they were really consistent with their bug th- theme throughout. The fact that... More bugs. Lin- More bugs. More bugs. More bugs. Linda was watching a news show about the West Nile virus. Bugs. Uh... They showed the bug zapper outside of Larry's house before the bugs actually zapped there. You know, they they did that. (laughs) (laughs) I guess. I I have a couple questions Mm -hmm. before we move on to next episode. Um, Why are they still looking for their dad? Because he's missing. He's he's not missing. He's just avoiding them. Well, they are still looking for their dad because... Sam feels that he knows more about their mom's death and Jess's death. And so he probably feels that he will have progress in his vendetta if they combine their vendettas and work together. Okay. I wish this show would say this. Because <laughs> this episode, I was just really struck with why are you even fucking bothering? You know he's not dead. You know he's not kidnapped. Like, just, he obviously doesn't want to be around you, so just. Fuck off, I guess. Chill. Chill out. Also, and this is a little deeper, do you feel like in all the drama between John and Sam and John's need to give extra attention to Sam in order to try and reel Sam back in, do you feel like Dean feels invisible and less loved? Yes. Because this this episode, for all its horrific faults, it did make me think about John sacrificing his life for Dean. I wonder if that was the first time in Dean's life where he felt like he was John's priority. He he didn't feel like he deserved it. Yeah. And hearing Dean try and resolve John and Sam's... Not resolve, but Dean's trying to heal John and Sam's relationship. And it doesn't leave any room for Dean to have a well, place. We know that John loves both of them, but he's more protective right. of Sam because Sam was an infant... And something was in his room. Something killed his mother in his own room. So mm-hmm. it's like from the very beginning, John felt like Sam was a target. Well, yeah, he does leave that cryptic voicemail where he tells Dean, like, you might have to kill Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to protect Sam, but you might need to kill Sam. Like, at no point was Dean ever the center of attention or the focus. It was always watch Sam, keep an eye on Sam, make sure Sam doesn't get into trouble. I know that we're supposed to be falling more and more in love with Sam, but the more I watch the series, the more I'm just like, Dean, my precious child, (laughs) let me take you under my wing, baby boy. (laughs) Let's talk about next time. Next time, we are watching Season 1, Episode 9, Home. This is very important. Let me read the synopsis then. Okay. 
When Sam starts to have nightmares about their old home, he and Dean head back to Kansas. They soon discover that the new owners of their old house are being plagued by a malevolent entity. Could it be the same thing that killed their mother many years earlier? And that is brought to us by Anonymous from IMDb. All I have to say about this episode is Missouri! Yes, she's amazing. I love her. Oh, Missouri. She should have been in every season. Yeah, yeah, definitely. She would have helped out so much. She would. She could have been their first supernatural contact. <sighs> and she's just, she's such a good mama. She would have been a good mom. I mean, not to put any shit against Jody. Jody is an amazing mama. Yes. But Jody doesn't come along until, like, season five ever. And Missouri is there in season one, and I just want them to have a mama. But yes, very important episode. We have the first, that not the first, but um, furthering what we know about Sam's powers. Yeah, this was the first episode that really confused me about whom the monster was. I was like, is, is it their mom? It's not their mom? But it's not a thing, it's just a, huh? Well, I'll, I'll help. I'll help you. Okay, because I still don't understand. It's a poltergeist. I, I get that. I don't I don't get anything else, but I get that. All right, Hannah. I think we done talked the shit out of this one. And then some. The bug shit out of this one. Okay. <laughs> you can reach me on Tumblr at jailbreakfiend, J-A-I-L-B-R-E-A-K-F-I-E-N-D. Or everything Overlord. And you can reach me on Tumblr at KindleAbroad, K-I-N-D-L-E-A-B-R-O-A-D. Or now I'm on Instagram at Kindle, Kindle, Kindle. <laughs> I'm, I'm on Instagram as well, and it's it's the same as my Tumblr, Jailbreak Fiend. Um, you can reach both of us at SistersTalkBrothers at gmail.com. If you're brave. If you're brave. Do you can you do it? Tell us about how we are so wrong about everything. Yes. But be nice about it. Educate us, but be nice about it. We're not experts. We're just sisters. <laughs> so, tune in next week for... More monsters. More brothers. And more sisters. Bye. Bye. Your favorite 